Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you that you turn to a couple of different places. Um, Luke 13 being one, so just put something on Luke chapter 13, you have that out. John chapter 13, and, and if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay, I'll read it um, slowly so, so it's all good. Um, Luke 13, John 13, also go... Um, put your just a finger or a bookmark or something on Acts chapter 5. Those are going to be our three main passages that we're going to be in. Acts chapter 5. And then lastly, what we want to talk about right now, um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. No, chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So I know that's a lot if you need to... Um, I'll, I'll reference that, the, all those verses throughout our talk today, but those are kind of just a forewarning if you want to get turned there. Um, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 12, I'm going to read you something and then I want to say something about what I read. So I'm just going to read it and then I want to say something about what I read that kind of relates to me this morning. So here goes, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 12, it says this, it says, Now I, and who is the I? It's Paul speaking. So he says, now I, Paul, will speak to the rest of you. And here's what he says. He says, though I do not have a direct commandment or command from the Lord. All right. I, Paul, I'm going to speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. I want to say something about our talk um, and our time that we're going to spend together for the next couple of moments. Um, most of the time during a sermon, I like try to like get my alignment with God. And, I, and, and most of the time, I will say, I feel like God has placed something. I don't know how he does this, but he places something in my heart. And, and I know that that's what I need to speak on. Like I, I know it as much as I know anything. I know that, hey, I need to speak on that. Now, sometimes it's difficult for me to speak on. I know we get a lot of backlash or maybe hurt some people's feelings, so I really don't want to. And so I kind of walk that, teeter tot that, and sometimes I actually don't speak on it because I'm, and that's a sin for my part. But, but, but most of the time, I do feel like God lays something on my heart. Okay, not so today, if I can just be honest. Not so today. Um, I have not gotten a direct, line that I feel like God wants me to run, um, and so when those moments happen, because they have happened before, I speak on just whatever I have on my mind. It's not directly from God, it's just whatever I have on my heart at the time, whatever I have on my mind, and so that type of sermon is where we're going today, okay? So I just want to put that, and, I, and, I, and I, I don't think that's unbiblical. I think I can go to the Word of God and bring out biblical truths, and even though that God hasn't put that on my heart, I think I can still elevate God's Word, which is what I'm doing right now, and I think it can still speak to us. So I, I'm, I'm excited, but I just want to say that um, right off the bat. So, so that's all we're going to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And now, if you're going to flip and go to Luke chapter 13, that's the first one we're going to be in, Luke chapter 13. And as you're there, I just want to tell a little story. The, uh, the other day, 
Um, I was going duck hunting. I don't know if you know anything about duck hunting. I, 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 I like duck hunting. It's probably my favorite thing to hunt, I would say. Um, and so we go, and it's me and my dad. My dad's come. Um, he's come to spend New Year's with us. And um, my, my beautiful wife, Kat, we all three, we get together, and it's Kat's day, Kat's day off. So I'm like, what do you want to do, babe? She said, I want to go duck hunt. So we decided we're going to load up, and we're going to go. So we kind of get all our stuff together. We get in the truck. We drive over, and there's this, like, amazing side-by-side that we all pack in. And now we're on the side-by-side. It's not ours. Somebody else's. And we're, we're there, they're driving us to the duck hole. And it's this beautiful. Uh, piece of land. It's uh, it's kind of planted in sunflower. It looks like at one time, but the sunflowers have fell fall off or fallen off, falling off, whatever that is. And so they're on the ground, and it's just a beautiful duck hole. And we are just super excited. They got a blind, and so we get in the blind. And so my dad's never really been duck hunting before, so that's my dad. And then it's Cat, me, and um, one of the guys that was taking us. His name is Mr. Robert. Mr. Robert was right there on the end. And first thing off, the morning kind of comes, and and a duck. It was a beautiful duck, one that Cat always wanted to kill. It's called Hooded McGanzer. And it just comes in, the blind, and sure enough, I just can't help it. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm to win. Boom! <laughs> I shoot as fast as I could. Uh, you, a good husband would just like wait on Cat to shoot. You know, hey, honey, you've always wanted to kill this. You shoot. Uh, uh, pray for me or pray for Cat. Boom! And I miss, and then I shoot three more times than I miss. And um, that was the only duck that actually like committed in the rest of the day. Every other duck for the rest of the morning, for some reason, what they would do because it was super, super fog I mean like fog was just elevating off of the water and, and the ducks really couldn't see down and we couldn't really see the ducks and so we would just hear them whack, 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 and we kind of look up and maybe see their outline and they would just be circling and my dad was like having a he, he loves it he's like oh man look at the ducks look at the ducks right they're coming they're coming and me and Kat are over there like shh, like shh, be quiet be quiet like they're they're about to circle in and here's what we would do okay I brought my duck call and I just want to kind of show you a little bit about what kind of how this happens okay so so like, let's say that like the duck is coming, and, and I've been watching YouTube videos, so I'm going to teach y'all a little something. I'm learning y'all something. And when they get like right in front where you want them now to like come in, you want to hit them with like a little quack. So I would. I was like, like <laughs> all right. And then they would kind of like uh, ease this way, and then they'd get back over us, and I was kind of scared. So at that time, you hit them with a chuckle, and what a chuckle is, it's like, like they're feeding. It's like... <laughs> So you kind of hit them with something like that. Now, a lot of times you don't want to do it like really fast because you could go like, <laughs> but you kind of want to do like more of a cuss sound. So you go, <laughs> that kind of sounds like a real duck. And so, you know, it doesn't sound good, but it sounds like a real duck. So the ducks now come back around and now they're about to come in. And it's just this one group and we, we want to commit this group so much. We want them to come in and land so we can all shoot them. It's a big group. And so now I just start working on them. Um, <laughs> You know, and like trying to get them to come in, and I and I and I'm I'm thinking I'm like I'm calling these things in. We're about to we're about to be eating ducks, you know. So they start coming down, and they cuffing down out of the sky, and they get right almost in shooting range where we're about to shoot them. And as soon as they do, I don't know what they see or hear or or, or something. They all just flare, and they just leave, and we're all just. Oh, man, we're so angry. We're like, oh, we, they were so close. They were about to come in, and they never did. The ducks all morning would do the exact same thing that I just described. They would come in. I think it was my calling. Dad said, you know, you sound like a crow or something. I was like, okay, maybe I do. So they would, like, come in. They would be almost about to come in, and, and then they would leave. No groups of ducks would commit to our 
blind. I said, and I want to talk about commitment today and ask the question. I really want you to ask yourself this question. So when I say ask yourself the question, I know a lot of people think like, oh yeah, I know so and so. They should ask themselves the question. No, I mean you. Like you in here. Everybody, you ask yourself the question, are you committed? Are you committed? Am I committed? And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 6. Luke 13, 6. It reads like this. And here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus told them this story. He says, A man, he planted a little fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any new fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. But the gardener, he answered pleading. He said, sir, (laughs) sir, give it one more year. Give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention. I'll put plenty of fertilizer on it. I hear um, the ryegrass has died, by the way, from this cold front. But if you put fertilizer, if you put fertilizer on your ryegrass, it will come back. Okay, if you didn't, I don't know what to tell you. But if you did, you'll be okay. All right, put plenty of fertilizer on it. Verse 9. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. And I wonder if Christ right now, today, is telling Blackjack Baptist Church, is telling you right now, hey, the last three years we've been doing okay, but we're not producing any figs. We're not producing any disciples. We're not producing the fruits of the Spirit. I'll give you one more year. I'll give you one more year. So the question becomes, how do we become a tree that produces that kind of fruit? That's that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm concerned about. And I have the answer. I have the answer. And here's what's amazing about the answer is that every single person in the room can do it. Every single one. Every single person can do it. It's not unachievable. It's very easy to do. My fear is that because not only can everybody do it, but because it's so simple, well, I'm going to say that most people won't do it. That's my fear. So if you, in 2023, want to become one of these these trees producing fruit, not getting cut down, here's what you do. It's so simple. Here's all you got to do. Is that you serve somebody every day. You serve somebody every day. 
I love it. It was Albert Schweitzer. He says this about serving. He says, I don't know what the new year holds for you. I don't know what your future holds, but I do know this. I do know that the people who have joy will find it through serving other people. I heard another quote, and um, I'll just read it for you. It says this. It says, If you can help others get what they desire, you will have everything that you need. If you can help others get what they desire, you will have everything that you need. Jesus, when he is preaching his entire 33-year life, you know what he says? He only says this one time. He says, follow my example. Out of all the years of his life, he says one time in the Bible, follow my example. Do this. Like, follow me in this. Does anybody know what it is? It's when he comes to the disciples with a jar of water and a dirty rag and dips the rag in the water and says, take off your sandals and put your feet on this stool. And so they do. And they begin to wash. Jesus now begins to wash the people's feet. I ask you if you would flip not only to Luke chapter 13, but also to John chapter 13. So now if you would just flip right over to John chapter 13, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. In John chapter 13, it says this, Before the Passover celebration, which we talked about in our scripture reading, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given them the authority over everything and that God, um, that he had come from God and would return to God. Verse 4, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And here's what Jesus responds. He says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter, I think I skipped something. Um, Verse 7 says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. So no, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Then Jesus responded, unless you wash my feet, you won't belong to me. In verse 9 it says this, Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. When I was in college, we uh, had this computer typing class, and one, uh, this, this girl that was in our class, she would always um, type for a little while, and she would have this Germex right beside her. And what she would do is, as she typed and she got through typing, she would want to put Germex, because I guess she was like afraid of the germs and stuff, on her hands, and then she would just come finish typing. And, and I, would th- I thought this was kind of you know, awkward, so one day I would just like, look at her, and she would, you know, Psh. but I missed out. Here's what she would actually do. She would put Germex on her hands, and then she would take the Germex and put it all over her face. Is that not, that's, that's, that, I, would that not burn or something? I don't know. Psh, psh, psh. 
and she would wash her whole face. I'm like, what? what's going on? And in that moment, I thought right back to this passage. Peter saying, okay, then if that's the case, don't just wash my feet. Wash my entire body. Why did Jesus come? He came to serve others. And if we have faith in Jesus, but we are not committed to His process, then it's not faith, it's denial. Did y'all just hear what I said? If we have faith in Jesus, you say you have faith in Jesus, but you're not committed to His process, what's His process? Serving others? If you're not committed to His process, then it's not faith, it's denial. Serving other people will cost you something. It will be inconvenient. Like, it will not be happy-go-lucky. There are some times when you're going to have to stop in the middle of the day and you have to put down everything you're doing and go help somebody else. It's not going to be convenient. There's going to come a time where God says, hey, I want you to go get them food. You have to pull over on the side of the road, go get something, walk out there and give them some food. It's not going to be convenient. There's going to come some times when somebody calls you at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, look, I just had this. Will you come? And you have to get up and you have to go. It's not going to be convenient. There's going to be somebody like uh, Brother Eddie who comes and shares his life. Do y'all think his life is convenient, giving his life to Honduras? No. But we are called to serve other people even though it's not convenient. There's one more place in Scripture where it says that, um, that there, was a, there was a bowl of water used. I don't know if y'all know where it is. It's actually in Matthew 27. Um, and y'all can turn there if you would, if you would like to. Uh, Matthew 27. I wasn't really planning on reading this, but uh, I will. Matthew 27. It's this guy by the name of Pilate. And Pilate takes Jesus, and they have this bowl. And as he takes um, Jesus and presents them before the Sanhedrin, um, they reject him and they say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And here's what happens. He says, Pilate saw, verse 27 of Matthew 27, verse 24, I meant. 24, verse 24. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water. It's the only other place in Scripture that another bowl of water is mentioned. He sent for a bowl of water. And washed his hands before the crowd, saying that I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is on you. So you have, on one stand, you have Jesus with a bowl of water serving other people. And now you have Pilate, on the other hand, with a bowl of water. And who's he going to serve? He's going to wash his hands and say, hey, I've I've tried, Jesus. I really did. I tried to serve you. I tried to do the best that I could, but it's out of my hands now. The responsibility is, 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 is on, on, it's on them. Jesus does not call us to just try to serve others. Oh, I gave him my best chance. I did as good as I could. And wash your hands and say, I- I'm done. No, Jesus calls us to actually serve others. And we get caught up in all the time like, okay, well, if we serve them, what if they abuse us? What if they go behind our backs? What if they step on us? Hear me. If we want to be a bridge between people and Jesus, if we want to be that bridge and Jesus to use us, we will get walked on. You will get stepped on. 
I'm saying it will happen. But even though people will take advantage of our niceness, even though people will abuse our kindness and our service, we are still called to serve others. Jesus says, do y'all know what he says in the great uh, sermon, the Sermon on the Mount? He says, give to those in need. He says, give to those in need. He doesn't say give to those in need if they really, really need it or give to those in need if you've prayed about it for a really long time. That's what you feel like God's calling you to do. Give to those in need as long as you don't feel like they will walk all over you. He says simply, give to those who ask. James comes around and here's what James says. James says that if you see somebody and they're hungry or cold or naked and you come along and say, hey, I'll pray for you, have a good day. He says, you hate that person. He says, instead, you should feed them, clothe them, give them something warm. Guys, if 2023 we want to be a people who are actually producing something, we must serve other people. And I'm going to tell you what, you're going to get more of serving other people than you will ever, than they will ever get from you serving them. Why do you think we're doing this whole wounded warrior stuff that we have coming up? We were just talking about it in Sunday school. It could blow up in our face. We don't know how it's going to be. We've never done something like this before. Why are we doing it then? We're doing it because it's an opportunity for you and I to step out in faith and say, hey, look, we're just here to serve. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. And we're going to trust Jesus for the results. And ultimately, we're going to say, hey, we're going to give you a cup of glass of, of cold water, what Jesus says, but we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. We're going to share the gospel with them so that in hopes every single one of them walk out of Blackjack Baptist Church, not only feeling their love tank full and saying, hey, those folks love me, but they're going to walk out saying, I have a relationship with Jesus. We're going to serve others. All right. This is a weird question I guess I'm going to ask, but... um, I really want you to answer. I'm, I'm not just saying this. Um, but Miss Becky, can I ask you, Miss Becky, specifically? Um, answer this for real. So I want your honest opinion, please. Is this true, what I'm saying? I mean, does, 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 is that the general consensus that what I'm saying is true? It's a commandment. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. Absolutely. I just want to be sure I'm not speaking air because this should be affecting all of us. Does anybody like Dasani water? Uh, please, somebody say yes. Because, like, okay, I see you say yes. You like that's your favorite. Um, um, Asher, I've called you up here a couple of times before. Can I call Miss Becky up here real quick? Okay. Uh, you don't have to come though, Miss Becky. Like if you if you if you don't want to, um, you're fine. You like you. It's your favorite. That's awesome. Okay, good. Um, you you okay, Miss Becky? You sure? Okay, thank you so much. All right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I have with me Dasani water, um, and and then I want you to drink it though. And then I I don't want you to drink it. And then I also have. I just want you to see that. What does that say? I think it says great value. Great value water. All right, so here's what we're going to do. This at the dollar store run you about $1.50 maybe, something like that. 
uh, this, we're going to about 35 cents, okay? So we're going to put both of these in a cup, and I'm going to just, I'm going to mix them, I'm going to put them in a cup, and I'm going to get, I'm going to let you drink both, and I want to see if you can tell me, hey, this is the Dasani versus, uh, all right, you know what I'm saying? All right, so um, this cup right here will be the Dasani. I want you all to see. Now, Mr. Sammy, don't be cheating. You're going to be pointing out, it's that one, honey, it's that one, honey. All right. All right, and let's get a little of the great value stuff. I'm going to put them in here. All right. Now you see which one is the Dasani. Now I'm going to mix them up. All right. If you get this, I'm going to be so impressed. Like, I'm going to be so impressed. All right. Which one is Dasani? No, it was wrong. It was wrong. Oh, goodness. All right, everybody give it up. I love you, Miss Becky. I love you, Miss Becky. Thank, thank you so much, Miss Becky. All right, good. Hey, here you go, Mr. Um, here you go, Miss Becky. You can have Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, uh, thank you so much. I, what, what's the point? What's the point? Is that mm, there's a difference um, most of the time between something that is genuine Dasani and something that is counterfeit, not authentic. And in our lives, what I'm concerned with, more than I'm concerned with anything else, I want to ask the question, are, are you authentic? Are you authentic? Uh, last verse I wanted you to ask that you would turn to, Acts chapter 5, so if you would turn there, I'm going to read you a story. And as I read you this story, I really want you in the crowd to be thinking, okay, what did they do wrong? So you think, what did they do wrong? And I'm going to ask, I want you to respond, okay? So be thinking as we read, what did they do wrong? What was their sin? Was it um, anger? Was it unforgiveness? You, you name it, okay? What was their sin? So be thinking about this as we read. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money into the apostles, claiming it was, full, it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said to Ananias, Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling, it, uh, after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do us like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about this was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her the same question. Was this the price that your husband received for the land? Yes, you replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who has buried, uh, buried your husband are just outside the door. They will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and she died. All right. After I read that story, what do y'all think their sin was? Somebody? Yeah, what was their sin? You can just blurt it. Huh? Greed? 
Greed, all right. Lying to God, yeah, greed. Taking some money, all right, yeah. Somebody else, what was their sin? Greed, lying, um, 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 taking some money, theft. All right, all good answers, great answers. And I would say that is a branch of what was going on. But let me see if we can get to the roots of what was going on. The church was growing a couple of chapters before. 3,000 people were added to the church. It was becoming a global phenomenon going out to all parts of the world. And then in the midst of a, of a church-wide, worldwide at the time actually, hub, what do you have? You have a guy and a girl who in the midst of it all say, Hey, I, I want to I get in this. I want to play the church game. And they had just heard of somebody named Joseph doing the same thing. Joseph sold everything he had. He gave all the money to the uh, disciples. And they say, hey, look at all the recognition that Joseph got. We want that same recognition. We'll sell our field. And they did. They sold their field and they pocketed it a little bit. And then they gave it back. And I do think it's greed. I do think it's lying. I do think it's trying to keep some money. But at the root of it, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's they were trying, in my opinion, they were trying to maintain their, their position. They were saying, I want everyone to think so well of us and everyone to like us to think, hey, we did all this stuff for Christ and we want to maintain a, a, a fake face and we don't want to be authentic and why they still kept some. And and the, the, the theological question is, why did God, why in the world did God give such a severe punishment? Why did he kill them? Maybe you're thinking the same thing. Well, that was a harsh punishment. I mean, they gave like at least 80%. That's a lot. It's because God knows how dangerous it is to be fake and unauthentic. And he says, I want to stamp it out. The Ananias and Sapphira said, hey, I see the church game. I want to get my foot in the church game. Hey, hey, so let's smile and say, how good are you? Uh, what does it mean to be really authentic? And the reason that I, I, I mix servant and authenticity is because here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, all of you who you see when you give, people give to the needy and they do all these good acts of charity and they get in the middle and they play their trumpets and say, hey, look at me, look at everything I've done for everybody. He says, hey, look, that's their only reward. He says, but as for you, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So when you do give, to the, when you do give, when you do serve, when you do love, hey, you know what? Don't even let anybody know. That's different. Be authentic. Lastly, I just want to ask you a simple question. And it's uh, this. So what would you write on the walls up here? If I had a big wall and you had a permanent marker and it was just you and the Lord in here, nobody else, what would you write on this wall that you don't want anybody else to see? You don't want your family to know this, your children to know this, your friends to know this. You wouldn't want your pastor to know this. You wouldn't want to, you don't, you, you, this is between you and God. Nobody else knows this. What would you write on that wall? Something that nobody, you, you're so scared of people finding out. What would you write on that wall? Think about it. I was thinking about this for me. 
And I said, really, what would I, like, what would I write? What, would, what was my biggest fear? And um, just in, in all sincerity, because I, 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 like, the biggest thing that I would say that I've struggled with that I would write on the wall, if it's nobody knew, and I'll tell y'all, um, the biggest struggle that I have is um, what I give to the Lord. is my tithing. That's my biggest struggle. Um, and I'm getting better, but I'll just tell you. In the past, my biggest um, shame, what I'm the most ashamed about, is um, my relationship with Kat before we got married. Um, we were not pure. And we tried really, really, really hard to be. And um, we'd pray about it and ask for forgiveness. And then, so we'd pray about it again. It's quiet, yep. I say that because I am not a perfect person now or a perfect pastor now. And I never have been a perfect person. And I never will be. And hear me, neither are you. Neither are any of us. But what God does call us to be, though He does not call us to be perfect because we never will be, we should strive for it, but He does call us to be real. He does call us to be authentic. He does call us to be who we are today, to yesterday, to be the same in front of me as you would be in front of your family, as you would be in front of your friends. He calls us to not be two-faced, but to be real. And he knows how dangerous it is when we try to put on these masks. Hear me. Following Jesus will cost you something, church. It will cost you something. But it will not cost you near as much as not following Christ. Not near as much as not following Christ. And I looked at these masks that I brought in here. And, I, and I, you know, this is my little hunt mask. And you can put this thing on like this. And I could come in here and I could just pretend like I'm all perfect. And you could pretend like you're all perfect. And I could come in and I could put this thing down right here. And I could pull it over and, and you would never see. And, and, and my dad got me another mask. And I like this one too. It's a, uh, um, it's a blue one. I could put this mask on. It got places for hand heaters. But you say, Drake, your hair is so messed up now. Welcome to church where we don't have to dress amazing every week, where we don't have to have everything together. I know I'm just like joking about dressing, but where you don't have to have everything together when you walk in the door. No, it's a place, it's a hospital, it's a place where we can come broken and hurt and say, God, I just want to be real, I want to be myself, I want to be authentic, I'm not going to try to pretend. I'm going to follow you. And to that I say, welcome to church. Well, you don't have to be perfect. You just need to be authentic. And you need to be yourself. So the words that I have, once again, this is not, God did not put this on my like, heart. I've been praying. I didn't get anything from God, so I'm just speaking from my mind. I'm, I'm speaking for what I've been studying for myself. And I'm opening it up to you and, and being vulnerable. What I'm saying is that if we want to be a people who's going to produce fruit in 2023 what we need to do we need to serve others and we need to do it as authentically as possible to be real with one another to have the right motive 
So as Miss Melanie goes to play and Mr. David comes up and uh, leads us in our final song, I'm just going to ask that if you feel called to come and you feel called to pray, or if you feel called right there where you are just to take a knee, to take a seat, and you guys just pray, God, like, like, help me, God, help me in this. You do that. You do that. I'm going to close this out, and then we're going to ask that you come, that you worship. God, thanks for everything that you've given us, God. I know there's so much stuff that I left out, God. There's so much stuff that I need to do better, God. There's so many things that I need to grow in, God. I am not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect pastor, God. But I pray and thank you, God, for your forgiveness. God, we love you, and we thank you so much for who you are. I pray that we could serve these guys when they come for Wounded Warrior. I pray that we could serve our families, that we would serve our friends, God, that we would serve the people that are on the side of the road, even when it's uncomfortable, God. Even when it's uncomfortable. God, I pray that we would be real Christians, authentic. God, we love you and we thank you for your son. In your name I pray, amen and amen.